0: What is up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Linder and happy Monday. Hope you guys are doing well out there. Monday is my fundamentals report day. So every Monday I send out my free weekly newsletter from bitcoinandmarkets.com. And then I like to go over it, talk through it. Uh, it is one, it's a larger newsletter. Some people do daily, you know, quick takes. I like to do one big newsletter every week. And you guys can sign up for that over on bitcoinandmarkets.com. Let's just jump right into the website. So here you can go here, sign up for free notifications of all the stuff I post. Uh, I have different member stuff going on. Market Pro—that's my the professional tier, the the technical analysis, price targets, uh, deep dive into that. We also have a price competition or a forecast competition. Every month, I just recently put that out for July's forecast. So if you want to go to BitcoinandMarkets.com, become a paid member, you can join that monthly forecasting competition. Uh, and the closest person to the price at the end of the month, the closing price, then uh, you win $20 in sats over Lightning Network. So it's kind of a fun, fun way to build the community. All right, so you can see here, Fundamentals Report 248. Before I jump into it, I just want to say uh, happy 4th of July. I won't be live streaming tomorrow. So, hope you guys can spend some time with your friends and family. Be safe. This is one of the most dangerous holidays in the United States, but uh, you know, it's uh, pretty easy to stay safe if you just use some common sense. Okay. So, let's get into the fundamentals report number 248, starting with the meme. And I like this. I I saw this from Swan Bitcoin and. uh, they sorry i had a sinking feeling i was not broadcasting but i'm all good okay so the first step is the hardest and they put out like a meme of the day this is by the btc therapist or the bitcoin therapist um and yeah buy bitcoin is the first step then self custody cold storage I, I wouldn't say educate well i guess you educating other people yes that that's where i would put that step But right at the beginning, I would say, you know, learn a little bit, then buy Bitcoin. You always want to buy Bitcoin at the level of your understanding of Bitcoin. And I can't remember who I heard that from first. uh, But it was a long time ago. And I I think that's a very, very good way to put it. Just buy as much Bitcoin as you understand it. So don't miss out on buying that the first couple hundred bucks, you know, buy, buy in and Figure out how to self-custody, how to cold storage, run a node. And as you learn more and more, you keep dipping your toe in a little deeper and deeper. I think that's just great advice. Great meme, great way to start off the newsletter. So up front, snapshot of Bitcoin. I As I was going through the news and going through the price today, the more I went through, uh, the more I'm, I'm pretty convinced that we're going to have a breakout here pretty soon. So uh, the weekly trend, I said consolidate and then break out. Uh, media sentiment is slightly positive. Network traffic is medium. It's come down quite a bit uh, in the last week. We'll go over all of that. Mining industry is stable. I, I didn't put strong this week because they continue to sell some Bitcoins, and we're going to take a look at that chart and see uh, how much they're selling. Price section is weekly price, 31027 at time of writing. That's almost $1,000 higher than the last report Market cap is over now six hundred billion, and one And one Satoshi, or sorry, Satoshi's per dollar is 3,222. One Finney, that's one ten thousandth of a Bitcoin, is three dollars and ten cents. Mining sector, uh, like I said, uh, is stable, but and I forgot to change this color. This should be red. That is a negative 3.25% that the on the last adjustment last week. That it went down however it is estimated to the difficulty to increase by two and a half percent in a week from now mempool is down to 113 remember it's been around 200 megabytes for a long time according to mempool.space so this is about a 50 percent reduction or maybe a 40 percent reduction in the mempool we'll take a look at that chart here in a minute fees for the next block roughly or to get your transaction in the next block is a little bit over a dollar. Median fee is a little bit over a dollar. Nothing too significant to report there. Now, Lightning Network, I do track this. Uh, I started tracking this about, I don't know, has it been six months now? And this really hasn't moved all that much. It seems like it's either a tenth of a percent up or a tenth of a percent down on capacity. Kind of maybe trending a little bit more down over the last six months than up. Channels it continues to fall almost every single week, uh, down to 69,000 channels now. So I don't know. I think that the Lightning Network is a great response for scalability. It is a great tool, all right? But it takes a long time to figure out exactly how to use that tool. And it's not going to be, man, I think the Lightning Network might be a great application for like layer three because being that it has to peg into uh, the base chain for every single channel and rebalancing transactions and all these other stuff. Yes. There's a lot of new tools coming out, but uh, lightning network has this UTXO limitation. And so if we could hopefully in the future we'll continue to improve that or the you know developers will continue to improve that. And they will come up with something, maybe making lightning on liquid, or I, I think you can already do that. But uh, you know, something like that is could be the killer app for lightning. But as it stands right now, um, it's it's great, it's it works, and it's fun to think about the applications in the future of it. But it's hard to see how we get from here to a billion users on Lightning Network. I don't think it can support a billion users right now. Uh, As you can see, it's barely supporting seventy thousand channels. So uh, we got to figure this out. Okay, the in case you missed it, this is all the stuff I put out this last week: a couple podcast versions, uh, Market Pro, and the Fed Fed Watch. All right, let's go down to headlines. Now, as I was writing this on headlines, um, we had this Alliance Bernstein they are a high net worth broker uh, out of Nashville i believe and they manage nearly a trillion dollars in assets and they had a research report that came out and said they think that it's highly likely that um or that that the the chances of a bitcoin spot etf getting approved is fairly high quote fairly high so i wanted to put that in at the top just as breaking news it's not super Uh, relevant, but it is uh, just another thing these high net worth individuals, I mean, these are brokers for people where their opinion matters, right. To a lot of money and they are thinking that it's fairly high. So anyway, let's continue over the weekend. There was also a rumor that Gary Gensler here, I'm going to zoom in to make sure you guys can see this over the weekend. There was a rumor that Gary Gensler had resigned Uh, because of some improprieties and it was nonspecific. It was kind of like supposed to be hush-hush under the table. And uh, I immediately thought that it was some dreamed up thing by a crypto bro that just got picked up as, you know, citing sources, (laughs) quote unquote sources. And people ran with it because, you know, anything with the SEC and Gensler and this type of news is going to get a lot of clicks. Uh, But it turns out that people have done some data mining on the initial article, and they think that it was written pretty much by someone used, you know, chat GPT to write an article about this. And it is completely false. So, um, yeah, I, I just had to put that in the report that this resignation is not, he's not going anywhere. So the SEC says spot bitcoin e t f filings are inadequate. We covered this pretty heavily on friday's um, live stream. This was breaking news on Friday, uh, but there are some updates now. fidelity has refiled already along with invesco vanek twenty one shares and wisdom tree all of all four of these guys have refiled already. I think they refiled the same day so what day was Friday? The thirtieth. So they refiled uh, by end of day on Friday to include Coinbase as their exchange. So all five of these companies that have now refiled after the SEC said that it was inadequate, they are using Coinbase. This is very interesting because if you remember from my Friday live stream, I'm thinking that BlackRock has some sort of exclusivity agreement with Coinbase. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's not exclusive, exclusive agreement, but it's like, hey, we're going to use you. We want to we have first dibs. And if you do that, we'll put in a good word with you with the SEC, something like that. Okay, so BlackRock has not refiled yet. As of the time of writing this, that I could find any breaking news on this but they should be refiling in short order as well as all the others that are waiting. I think there's maybe like three or four others that have not refiled with Coinbase as their Bitcoin exchange. So we are going to wait and watch and see what happens with this. ETF filings, here's the lineup actually. I just included this. I found this from Bloomberg and it just shows their initial filing date. You see BlackRock filed on the 15th And then 16, 20, 20, 21, 29, Fidelity brought up the rear. So this is interesting. Uh, Fidelity filed on the 29th, which was Thursday. And then Friday, it got kicked back, right, by the SEC. And then Friday night, they refile with new verbiage for their surveillance sharing agreement. So Fidelity really had a fast turnaround on here from filing to refiling where BlackRock was the first kind of in this group in June. Uh, ARC 21 shares there up in April. But uh, BlackRock was the first and they still have not refiled. So very interesting how this is turning out. Of course, I'll keep you updated. Uh, you guys can join the Telegram tme forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. People will keep us updated in there as well. But uh, yeah, so let's move on. USDC, this is Circle's stablecoin. They continue to bleed out. I think this is just interesting. I wanted to update you guys on this. So, we typically measure the success of a US dollar stablecoin by its market cap. Tether continues to grow as uh, USDC continues to slide. For me, it's actually kind of satisfying because I think that uh, Circle and some of their backers they were really Pushing the tether fud, it might even have originated from USDC. Uh, Jeremy Allaire is an enemy of Bitcoin. He's the CEO of Circle. Um, he, pre- I think, it was like 2014 or 15. He had a rage quit of Bitcoin and said Bitcoin had failed. You know, this was back when uh, the scaling debate was going on and and all of that. Jeremy Allaire did not like what was happening, um, probably because. He couldn't corrupt Bitcoin, and so he left, and he th- said Bitcoin was a failed project. Of course, he came back later with Circle again and launched the stablecoin. And the see, I think that stablecoin, or I think that USDC is really involved with, uh, what do I say here? That USDC was the preferred stablecoin by Silicon Valley pump-and-dump VCs. I think Jeremy Allaire got in he's kind of fits in that kind of clique and so this is really bad for a bad sign for Silicon Valley like the pump and dump crypto scams and it's a bad sign for USDC. So you can see on the chart here it has been continuing to be dumped, basically redeemed and almost it looks like turned directly into Tether. Don't know exactly the process for that, but uh Yeah, that is what we're seeing. And I thought it was interesting too, because before February, the third week of February 2022, we saw this direct correlation between Tether and USDC. But then after that point, immediately we saw indirect correlation. So Tether continued to go up into February and March while um, USDC slid down, their market cap slid. And that's way before Celsius, it's way before Terra Luna, uh, it's way before FTX. So if there's something else going on here. Um, and one thing I did note that happened almost this, pretty much this exact week was the Ukraine invasion. I don't know how that would factor in here, but maybe there were some scams going on, some wash trading and some uh, market manipulation that once the uh, invasion in Ukraine kicked off, Maybe they moved on to different types of scams, maybe uh, pumping, trying to find out different ways to launder launder money than through NFTs. But anyway, okay, let's, I just thought that was interesting. And I th- it also tells me that the crypto side of like, well, I guess crypto frauds are not coming back anytime soon. They continue to, bleed out and go lower. Like USDC is almost like the lifeblood of that part of the fraud industry. And if it continues to sell off like this, you know, there's just not enough liquidity to pump these things. And so this is a good sign. Okay, let's get into macro headlines. So if you guys are new to my content, I do Bitcoin and macro. I have a degree in economics, background in military 10 years in uh, intelligence and mission planning. And so I have, and of course, a 10 year experience now in Bitcoin. So I have like this unique skill set or experience set uh, that allows me to look at these different things uh, and piece them together with how I see the future going. So what's going on in France? Of course, you guys know the riots are going on over there. They have deployed tens of thousands of police and, and riot police SWAT teams, they're going in and trying to crack some skulls. Uh, There are violent, violent riots out there. I mean, I say that it makes, uh, it looks like a literal war zone. If you've seen the videos of people driving in the streets in the morning, it literally looks like it could be Ukraine, right? Or it could be Iraq after the invasion uh, 20 years ago. But the burning and looting is making the BLM look tame, the stuff that we had here in the United States. Remember the mainly peaceful protests that happened in the United States? This is making that look tame. I even saw a video of an IED in the streets of a major French city. I don't know if it was Paris or Lyon or something like that, but it was obvious that this car turned and these people were watching as they went past this like pile of garbage. This car turned and there was an IED right there and blew up, you know, damaged the vehicle. And so this is straight out of Iraq. I mean, straight out of the Middle East and tactics like that. They're bringing the IEDs from the Middle East into major French cities, which is an extremely troubling sign. But I say that I'm certain that these riots will force political change in France and rapidly. Of course, if you guys have been listening to my show, I did talk about Marine Le Pen back during the election period and i've been watching for populism to rise in europe we saw this with you know maloney Um, le pen is getting favor we saw a uh, populist right-wing party take a majority in sweden of course you have hungary and you have poland having these populist right-wing tendencies at least and germany now uh, i've been posting in the telegram that they're Political map is shifting very, very rapidly. I mean, within the last two years, it has shifted extremely hard right, and so this is. I think these riots could lead to very rapid political change. I think they can vote for a uh, no confidence in Macron, and they can have snap elections, and Le Pen could be in. I mean, this could happen by the fall. I don't know exactly how many days you need for these snap elections, if it's 45 days or 90 days or something. But I mean, we could be talking by the end of the year, Macron's out, Le Pen is in. This could happen very, very rapidly. Then you would have Le Pen, Maloney teaming up. I mean, this could drastically change the politics. And I say that France is a huge part of the EU, the Eurozone and NATO, not to mention that they have the best military in Europe by a large margin. They are a huge swing country in Europe. And if France goes, uh, we could see major, major shakeup in NATO with the Ukraine war, with the Eurozone. I mean, everything. So we need to be watching this extremely closely. Um Anyway, so let's go on to more EU news. The EU is on the brink of bankruptcy, says Hungary's Orban at the EU summit. Quote: They want to get 50 billion from the me- from the member states to give to Ukraine, while they can't even account for the money we have given them so far. They want more money from the member states so that they can pay the interest on the European Union loans that they have previously taken out. These are loans that Poland and Hungary have not seen a single cent from so far. Yeah, you know, the EU is withholding capital from Orban because they disagree with some of his policies. And so like, why does he want to vote to increase the budget? This is only two years into a seven-year budget and they're already out of money. The, I, I I want to get across... How bearish this is for the European economy in general. And if I'm seeing it, I guarantee you people, business people in Italy, business people in France and Spain, everywhere, they're seeing this exact same thing and they aren't going to take it. So this can. Guys, it can really pivot on a dime here. Next story up. Sweden's NATO membership is a pipe dream, Turkey says ahead of summit. So a little background if you guys know that Sweden is Sweden and Finland have applied to be in NATO. And at first they were Turkey said they weren't going to support them, then Turkey flip-flopped and said, okay, okay, we'll support. And now there's a new development. Last week in Sweden, they allowed a Quran burning protest to proceed, which took place in Stockholm, drawing about 200 people to the scene which had police protection. All of this happening against the backdrop of Sweden desperately seeking entry into the NATO military alliance, but which Turkey has blocked since last summer. Ankara now has even more reason to resist Sweden's ascension after complaining that it allowed PKK terrorists to operate freely. Uh, So they can't get Sweden in. Do they think they're going to be able to expand it to Ukraine? That was another story that is been circulating the last week, they are going to fast track Ukrainian entrance into NATO. I say there's not a chance of that. Uh, NATO summit is coming up on July 11th, I believe it might be. I might have that wrong. It might be the 13th, but uh, it's coming up within a week here. And this is a very, very important event, a very important timing. Uh, If Ukraine doesn't get a new huge arms package as a result of the summit, It will likely be the beginning of the end of their any sort of offensive that they have going on over there. They're desperately trying to show some progress before this meeting. And we'll see. I mean, of course, Russia knows that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what Russia plans to do because they are bleeding NATO. I mean, they're bleeding their um, political rivals right now in Europe by continuing this. So does Russia actually want to continue this for another six months, another year, whatever, and just bleed NATO dry? I mean, I I said, I think on Wednesday's live stream or sorry, on uh, Friday's live stream that I kind of expect Germany's GDP to drop by one or two percent in 2023 and maybe more in 2024, maybe down negative five percent. I mean, this could get very ugly for for Germany. And that doesn't hurt Russia. Russia's economy has actually increased since, you know, the last year. So they could want to slow roll this and not launch their own offensive before July 11th. But we'll see. We'll see how this turns out. All right. That's it for the macro news. Let's get into price. So I start off with this chart. I did post it in Telegram earlier today. The blue line is the number, of addresses inflow, the number of addresses inflow to exchanges. And the orange is the Bitcoin price. And the pink down here is reserves held on the exchange. Now, it's kind of hard to see down here in the far right, you know, bottom right hand corner. But that is a new low for Bitcoin held on exchanges. This blue line is the one that they're pointing out here. Uh, the inflow to exchanges is dropping off of a cliff right now. As the price is moving higher. So I say another week, another low in exchange inflows and balances. Liquidity is at an impressive low with demand increasing, the having coming, ETFs lining up, et cetera, et cetera. We probably are not bullish enough. And I think this was sourced from Bitcoin News, Bitcoin Newscom, Bitcoin News.com on Twitter Also, GBTC discount is closing. Let's pull this up so you can see the discount here in the bottom on the blue. It is coming up. I think I saw it as low as 30%, but that is a pretty rapid decline in the discount and uh, showing very bullish demand here for GBTC. I say the GBTC discount is closing. This is one of the most significant signs out there right now. Demand to get exposure to Bitcoin is rising fast. When this gets back positive, the risk-free trade resumes. GBTC will suck up Bitcoin and price will moon. So the way this risk-free trade, because every time I say risk-free trade, I'm sure there's some people out there like, "Uh, there's no such thing as risk-free. But um, if there's a premium on GBTC, like say 10%, you can you can buy that, that Bitcoin at NAV or buy that GBTC share at NAV. So at the actual spot price, not at the 10% premium, but at the spot price. And you can short GBTC at the premium. And so you lock in that differential. No matter what, you're going to be able to scalp that differential. It's just a matter of time. So it is pretty much a risk-free trade. I, Unless GBTC went belly up, I mean, that's, I guess, an increasing risk today, but um, it's pretty much a risk-free trade. And what that does, what that forces, it forces Grayscale to go out and buy more Bitcoin, create more shares, and hodl up more and more Bitcoin into GBTC. It's a one-way function. The only thing that can stop that is if the premium goes the other way, which is, you know, Something that one reason that all of these things blew up last year because the GBTC premium disappeared and all of these uh, kind of risk free traders could not continue with their business model. So there's a mismatch. The individual trades still ended up positive, but once it turned into a discount, they couldn't make new trades and they had people had lent them money one in their APR, you know, their, their, um, Payment their interest on their loans to BlockFi and stuff, but so they had all this liability and they couldn't make new risk-free trades through GBTC because the premium had gone negative, and that blew up their businesses. So that it's it's kind of a moral hazard for the industry, but it's also a Hoover. It's a vacuum for. Bitcoin off of the exchanges. So anyway, just be watching that. It's also very bullish. Okay, let's take a look at the daily chart. Now I have just really simple charts here. Of course, in my Market Pro newsletter uh, for professional tier members, I go way more in depth. I think I had 22 22 charts this last Friday when I put out that that, uh, member newsletter. But anyway, this is just a simple daily chart here. And you can see it's it's kind of uh, getting ready for takeoff. That's what it looks like. Let's go down to the monthly and quarterly because this is the, you know, we just started a new quarter. We started a new month. We even started a new half year. But I did quarterly and monthly charts. Here's the quarterly chart. And this red dashed line is at 35000 And that's at the, you know, the bottom for quarterly resistance is at 35,000. That's going back to, it looks like Q2, the close of Q2 of 2021. Okay, now if we go to the monthly, very interestingly, that also is, that same close is where the resistance is for the monthly chart as well. So 35,000 is a the immediate next target and that's also where we're going to start seeing a lot of short squeezing. If we can get over that level of $35,000, we are going to see a lot of short squeezes. So, um, yeah, I think we can very quickly get to that point. And let me see what the price is doing right now. $31,100. we will take a look at the chart here at the end before we close out the show today. The live chart. Mining. Mining headlines. Bitcoin miners continue to deposit to exchanges. Can price hold on? And I link to each one of these bullet points is a link usually to the story uh, that I'm uh, talking about here. So I've reported on this in recent weeks. The amount of Bitcoin leaving miners for exchanges is extremely high. The typical interpretation is this means miners are under extraordinary stress. They're sending coins to exchanges in desperate need for dollars slash fiat. However, We see price rising and miners maintaining or adding hash rate. They are not behaving particularly stressed other than this, other than sending their Bitcoin to exchanges. I mentioned a tweet by Bob Burnett, and I misspelled his last name. Sorry about that, Bob. I will fix that. I'll update that (laughs) right after this. Uh, A couple weeks ago, where he pointed out that investment into mining companies has dried up back in 2021 and 2022 expansion was financed through debt or equity deals and there was getting a lot of investment out there into public miners into mining in general and a lot of that now has been invested they have they funded new facilities they got new miners but all of that money is kind of burned through now so now you have to start if it was a debt deal you had to start uh servicing that debt right so that's one reason why you could see selling to service the debt that was already used for expansion. Uh, Bob Burnett also says that there is no new financing available. So we miners got a lot of financing in 2021, 2022, but now in 2023, there's no new financing to help service that previous debt burden or previous um, uh, financing. So now they're having to sell their coins. To, to cover the financing. I mean, I think that makes it, it really good sense. So it doesn't have to do anything necessarily with their um, revenue per hash, right? It has to do with their revenue versus their debt. And that's an important factor, obviously. But you know, Bitcoin miners are gonna have to figure this out. I don't think they were expecting to have such a dry period here in 2023 for investment into mining. So uh, we'll have to watch to see how that, uh, how that shapes up. But here is the chart from that via glass node. And you can see that uh, over here on the right, we've had a ton, a ton of selling from the miners that also will keep price down slightly, but I don't think it's really affecting it all that much. Okay. More than 240% in 2023, the big, uh this Bitcoin mining stock is still a screaming buy. I say Riot is getting some mainstream love. So this is an article from The Motley Fool. And if you guys are aware of that, this is pretty mainstream uh, investment guys, uh, you know, like outlet, uh, financial press outlet. And they say, thanks to groundbreaking agreement and ambition expansion plans, Riot is positioned for long-term success and poised to capitalize on the growing profitability of Bitcoin. Mining And it's a big, long article. It reads like a press release from Riot. But uh, th- this is interesting. I don't notice these type of mainstream positive uh, takes on Bitcoin. So I wanted to make sure that I put this in here. All right. Bitcoin mining ETF. This is WGMI. I think it's Valkyrie, but I'm not sure. Up 210% year to date. And I put this chart in here. It's actually 213 or 214%. Uh huge. I mean, this is absolutely huge. This does kind of look like a rising wedge, which is a bearish pattern, but or typically a bearish pattern, but we'll have to see. I mean, this is a huge deal, guys. Um Bitcoin mining is going to get a boost from this type of performance, people buying in, um, being able to sell more equity. You know, like if they need to instead of selling Bitcoin, they could sell more equity and uh, you know more shares finance their debt payments that way. They wouldn't have to sell Bitcoin. So anyway, this is a big, a big sign of the health in the Bitcoin mining space. Okay, difficulty in hash rate. So hash rate did drop pretty significantly. I mean, the biggest drop in maybe this entire year. I didn't go back and check, but it was down three point two five percent about a week ago. But since then, you can see price or hash rate has. Recovered significantly, not back up to all-time highs, but back up to roughly where it's been for the last couple of months. So it's stable. That's why I say that the the uh, uh, mining sector is not necessarily strong right now, but it is definitely stable. Okay, mempool. This is the one I wanted to make sure I showed you guys because it has really come down quite dramatically in the last week. Um, I think last the last issue of the report just showed this spike back up, and so since then, we've come down almost 50% on the mempool. Um, has not quite chewed through enough transactions to make it uh, the fees to come dramatically down, but that will come. I think, you know, I'm kind of waiting for this, how the mempool cleared. I'm waiting for that to happen again. Maybe this month, but we will see what, if price moons, we won't see a clear mempool. I don't think. All right. Ordinal debate. I haven't updated this in a while, but, um, looking at the mempool, looking at the fees, looking at other things, mining, I wanted to be like, okay, well, what what are the ordinals doing? Because if you guys know, um, you know, ordinals and inscriptions, they are like NFTs on Bitcoin or at least ways to mark, um, transactions and stuff and satoshis on bitcoin and there is a hot debate going on about this i really don't care too much i think it will eventually go away but let's uh see what i write here so it's been several weeks since i've updated the ordinals and inscriptions totals have trailed off as the initial hype has run its course this strikes me as very similar in progression to the nft niche in i should said in general only on a compressed timeline and I had talked about this for many, many reports over a couple of years of the NFT hype, just showing that you know NFTs looked like this. They they boomed. I think they had a secondary boom like six months later, but they just continued to trail off, almost just like an altcoin market cap. You know, they they have this initial pump and dump uh, surge, and then it's just a matter of. Trying to find a greater fool to take this off of you before it drops further, you know, and it looks like this is what's happening to the issuance of Bitcoin ordinals. So let me blow this up. Uh, One thing I did mention is this yellow down here on the bottom chart is other. So it's not image, it's not text, not video, audio application. It's other. I don't know what that is. But if you take that away, it's even a worse picture for ordinals. They're sliding in popularity even more. And perhaps they introduce this other, whatever it it is, as a way to, uh, you know, the next hype, the next uh, cool thing to have. And this is going to lose its momentum as well. But anyway, I thought this was interesting. If you guys keep up with ordinals, it is just trailing down into obscurity. Okay, Lightning Network. This is the last section of the day. So Lightning Network, Jack Dorsey questions Apple's Tim Cook over Bitcoin support as Damus deplatforming looms. And I I haven't followed this very much, okay? I'm not a person that tries out all of these new social media apps because I'm not really a social media person person. <laughs> I mean, I do Twitter and I have the community on Telegram and stuff like that. Um, but I don't do Facebook. I don't really do LinkedIn. I don't do any of these other things. So I'm kind of like a one app person and I'm not somebody that's going to try out a bunch of new social media. But I understand that Noster and Miss Damus and they're very popular with Bitcoiners and uh, they were trying to do zaps, I guess, you know, like uh, Bitcoin tips. And the, I, the app store did not like this because they want you to use Apple Pay. But let's uh, read through the quotes here. So on Tuesday, after Apple signaled to the Bitcoin friendly social media app, Damus, that it would likely be kicked out of the app store for violating the platform's terms of service, Dorsey tweeted, at Apple CEO, Tim Cook, quote, why doesn't Apple Pay support Bitcoin, Tim Cook? Damus is a decentralized social media platform that runs on the Nostra Protocol, which is popular with Bitcoiners, partly because most implementations of it support payments over the blockchain's lightning network. The blockchain's lightning network. What? What, who am I quoting here? Oh, I think it was, this was an archive link from CoinDesk, I believe. So yeah, of course they say this blockchain's lightning network. It's Bitcoin's lightning network. NOSTER is an acronym for notes and other stuff transmitted by relays. I'm not super bullish on decentralized social media. Um, I'm not super bullish on decentralized all the things. Uh, That might come as a surprise to new people but because If you're a fan of Bitcoin, you think that we should all be fans of decentralization in general. I think it's good in some forms. Decentralization can be a check, and it is a spectrum. It is definitely a spectrum as well. But uh, middlemen are not always bad, right? You, You hire middlemen for their expertise and their ability to do things. So middlemen aren't always bad. So decentralization is not always good, just like middlemen aren't always bad. Um, So just keep that in mind, because a lot of times people will try to sell you on a scam because, oh, it's decentralized all the things. This is, of course, we want to decentralize this. Why wouldn't we want to decentralize X? Because we all know decentralization is good. See, that's an affinity scam they're trying to get in with these people that think decentralization is good or efficient or something like that. Decentralization is not efficient, people. You want to have separation of labor. Separation of labor means you're going to have middlemen and things are going to have central points of failure. Decentralization is inefficient. So, any decentralized social media is going to be almost by definition, not as good, like not have as many features, not be, have, uh, well, probably will have more uptime, but that's depending if you can connect. So um, it definitely won't be as quick, won't have as many features, et cetera. So um, I mean, there's trade-offs here. There's definitely trade-offs. And from my perspective, I, maybe I can tie this into, talking about Twitter a little bit over the weekend as well, because they were rate limiting people like now, I guess non paid members can only see what 600 tweets a day or something like that. I mean, that's not very many and paid members can see 6,000. I have not run into any of those rate limit things. Uh, I know it's kind of bad for like me writing this report. If I wanted to link a tweet, a tweet, usually it would pull up and it would be like an anonymous person viewing Twitter, but I guess you can't do that anymore. At least they're going to have a temporary ban on that because they're trying to get rid of some data scraping and some ways where bots are manipulating um, like censorship algorithms. And so anyway, I, on Telegram I put that long video in there from these some sort of expert. I don't know who he is, but he sounded extremely um, up to date on this. And I was following it from different news outlets and stuff over the weekend. And it, it just seems that, you know, Twitter is trying to fight against spam, spam, and also data mining to ways to manipulate the censorship algorithms. And so anyway, it's very interesting what's going on. A lot of people talking about it like, oh, it's Censorship. What happened to free speech? Well, free, like censorship is usually targeted, right? Like I'm going to target you specifically for censorship uh, because I don't like what you're saying or I don't like you, period. But if everybody is under the same constraints, then it's not technically censorship. So just like Bitcoin, right? So Bitcoin is censorship resistant. It's permissionless. Anybody can use it. But there's a mining fee, I, I don't get it. What happens if you don't pay a mining fee? Well, your transaction probably will not get included in a block. You probably won't be able to take part in the Bitcoin network if you don't pay the fee. It's a, And no one would say that Bitcoin is trying to censor people. No, there's some cost to these things. There's trade-offs in life. Nothing is free. Free speech is not free. Your rights and freedoms are not free; they take a lot to maintain them. So, people bitching about censorship all day long—they don't know what it goes on, what's involved with protecting your own rights. So, anyway, I could go on for days and days about that. Let me just check the uh, scroll up here to the top. Bitcoin Fundamentals Report. Make sure you go to BitcoinandMarkets.com and subscribe. Let's take a look at the live chart here. Live Bitcoin chart, 21,287. Guys, it's feeling very, very bubbly. Let's go down to the hour. Yeah, it's, it's looking bubbly. Let's see. Maybe by the end of the day, we will be above this red zone. And for those that don't know, that don't follow my content, very often is this red zone comes back. All the way back from end of 2022 into 2021, those bottoms, the bottoms in mid 2021, this kind of ledge in price right before Celsius blew up in 2022. And then recently it was resistance. And now we're breaking up above that. Also, let me bring up the volume by price. This is something that people don't look at all that often. I, I look at it on my, my <laughs> market pro newsletter, but here you can see this, this is the volume that's happened at all of these different prices. Okay. And there is this bulge that could, that goes all the way up to th- 39,000. That means that there's been a lot of price action that's happened in that zone. That's usually can act as resistance because it's important uh, for each individual that has, transacted at that kind of level that means that there was something there that made people pay attention at that point and and do an exchange or do market activity at that that price point so most likely that will happen in the future but i want to point out how long has it been since that was that volume was created let's look from here it's been you know we're going back 62 weeks 62 weeks since there was any price action. And if we want to know where most of that comes from, it comes from back here. 104 weeks. So two years was where this volume that is above us came from. Um, I don't think it's going to be all that full of resistance above this. I really do think that we can uh, zip right through this all the way up to my higher targets. So anyways. That's the live Bitcoin price chart. Let's go back down to the daily. And that's going to do it for today, guys. Thank you for joining me. My name is Ansel Lindner. Check out Bitcoinandmarkets.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the free weekly newsletter. There's all sorts of different ways you can support my content over there. Remember, we also have the Bitcoin forecast competition where you forecast the price at the end of the month each month. That's for paid members over there on bitcoinandmarkets.com. I appreciate everybody that supports because this is a listener supported podcast. All right. That's going to do it for today, guys. Happy 4th of July. Stay safe out there and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.